It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, Canada and hockey fans in the United States and Newfoundland. It's behind the Maple Leaf Nets. It's right crowding them. Back to Paul at the blue line. He fakes a shot. Rolls one in front. And Kennedy intercepted and shoots it away. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Pucks and Cups. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have several other podcasts out there. Canadian History X, that's EHX, From John to Justin, Coast to Coast, and Canada's Great War. All available on all podcast platforms. I do all these podcasts full-time, the writing, the research, everything, so every doll you give helps keep it all going, and I truly appreciate it, and I'll thank you on the air and throughout my social media. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter, my handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at bairdo37. I also put up daily TikTok videos, and my handle is also bairdo37. And on my YouTube channel, I put up weekly videos about Canada's history. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Canadian History X. And remember, that's EHX. Throughout the 1920s, there were many stars, and one that burned brighter than most was Cy Denany. The man who would set NHL records that would last for decades and have more Stanley Cup success than most players of that era. Denany was born on December 23, 1894 as Cyril Joseph Denany in Ferrens Point, Ontario, near to Cornwall. The town no longer exists as it was flooded with the creation of the St. Lawrence Seaway in 1958. His father was James Denany, who was one of the best lacrosse players of the 19th century, so sports was in his blood. Denany would play senior hockey in Cornwall beginning in 1909-10 before moving on to play for the Cornwall Internationals the following year, where he began lighting up the score sheets. In 1911-12, he would have nine goals in eight games with the team. That same year, he tried out for the Montreal Canadiens, but did not make the team and went back to playing senior hockey. In 1912-13, he would play for the O'Brien Mine team of the Cobalt Mining League, and he was a major reason that team won the league championship that year. In those days, there were no scouts and players had to find ways to stand out. Denny would say, quote, There were few coaches and practically no scouting back then. Each player was supposed to dream up his own trick plays and some of them would be useful today, but the whole thing is a full-time year-round business today. End quote. Denity would begin playing for the Toronto Shamrocks in 1914-15. That year, he had six goals in eight games, along with 43 penalty minutes. In his next season with the team, he had 24 goals in 24 games and 28 points total. That year, he was also joined by his talented brother, Corb Denity. On a line with Duke Keats, the brothers became the top-scoring line in the NHJ, and it was also in Toronto that fans started to call Denany the Cornwall Colt. At the time, Denany was making about $35 per week, or about $827 today, 
and he was unhappy with his salary and he chose not to play, which got him suspended by manager Eddie Livingston. The Montreal Star reported, quote, Cy Denany announced in a letter to a Toronto friend yesterday that nothing could coax him into hockey this winter, end quote. A few weeks later, the Ottawa Journal would write of the matter, quote, If the Cornwall boy does not play this winter, he will likely be placed on the board of referees in the Ottawa Valley League if it operates. Livy is expected in Ottawa the latter part of the week to talk matters over with Denany, end quote. Thankfully, T.P. Gorman would step in and bring Denany to Ottawa to play lacrosse. Then, in 1916, Gorman gave the Shamrocks $900 for Denany so he could play for the Ottawa Senators, and it was with that team he would have the most success and cement his legacy. Getting that trade done was no easy task. The Ottawa Journal reported, quote, The club tried today to get in touch with manager Livingston of the Toronto team over the long-distance phone with a trade proposal, which it expected the Toronto manager will accept and allow Denany to stay in Ottawa, end quote. A few days later, word on how much Livingston wanted had many expecting the trade to fall through. The Victoria Daily Times reported, quote, Manager Livingston of the Toronto Hockey Club has announced that he would consider a straight trade of Nybor for Cy Denany or sell the young star for $1,800. Another few weeks would pass and the trade offer was now Clint Benedict, a future Hall of Famer for Denany. The Montreal Star reported, quote, This was accepted by the Toronto owner, but the Ottawa club backed down. And after doing this, the manager stated he would have no further dealings with the Ottawa club. End quote. In the end, Sammy Herbert would go over with that $900 in the trade to Toronto. Herbert would go on to play two games for Toronto, picking up one goal. And he would not be in the NHL again until 1923 when he played another two games with one goal. Without a doubt, Ottawa won that trade. Denny would say, quote, I don't know whether he played for the Ontarios or not. End quote. In the first season with the Senators, he would have only three goals in ten games, not a high total, but that would change. When the NHL started up in 1917, Denany would explode with 36 goals in only 21 games, along with 10 assists. For the next decade, he would never have less than 17 goals in a season, and he quickly cemented himself as one of the best players in the entire league. In 1917-18, Denany would set an NHL record by opening the season with four straight multi-point games. That record would actually stand until 2013 when Patrick Marlowe tied it. Denany was not known for being a fast skater, but he possessed a highly deceptive shot that was considered to be the most accurate in the league. He would also develop tactics that are still used today, including using the opposing defenseman as screens for the goalie. He would also use head fakes to fool the goalie, allowing him to score. Another innovation he had was to use a curved blade, allowing him to use a high-rising shot that fooled goaltenders. He would say, quote, we didn't have those fancy machines to make our sticks just the way we wanted. I had to stand on the blade and bend it, but let me tell you, putting a curve in the blade helps you control your shooting. End quote. His accuracy would also allow him to have a drop shot that would not be seen again until Bobby Hull came along. Denny would say, quote, The puck would start high and then drop suddenly. I scored two goals from center ice in New York with the drop in one night. End quote. George Hainsworth, one of hockey's greatest goalies, would say he feared Denny's shot more than any other. In 1920-21, Denny would score six goals in a game, something only five other players in NHL history have accomplished. Not one to be pushed around, he also filled the role of enforcer on the team and racked up a few penalty minutes. In his years playing in the NHL, Denny would have 301 penalty minutes, including 80 in 1917-18. It was not until later in his career that his penalty minute total began to decline. Bill Westwick would write of Denny in 1970, quote, The curly-haired, pudgy wingman played in a tough era, 
But there was nothing dirty about Sai, who could look after himself, but was a mild-mannered and good-natured type all of his life. End quote. In one game in 1923, Sprague Cleghorn, who formerly played for Ottawa, but was now with the Canadians, carved through his former teammates. Denony was hit hard in the head, but was back two days later, having suffered a concussion. And then he would score the winning goal in his first game back. Denony would stay, quote, There were fewer players then and more feuds, but most of the time, individual feuds where one man promised to get the other next game were usually patched up and we settled down to play hockey, end quote. Despite the rough time he played in, Denity would say years later he worried about the sport and the violence in it. He would state, quote, It is a wonder somebody hasn't been seriously hurt, let alone killed. In a sport where it's possible to have broken legs and collarbones, anything can happen. End quote. In 1923-24, Denity led the NHL in scoring with 22 goals and one assist, which is the lowest total anyone has ever led the league with in points. Denity would play for the Senators until 1928-29. During that time, he won four Stanley Cups with the team in 1919-20, 1920-21, 1922-23, and 1926-27. In October of 1928, he would sign with the Boston Bruins. And the signing in Boston was not something many in Ottawa greeted with happiness. The Ottawa Journal would write, quote, Versailles has become looked upon almost as a fixed star in the Ottawa hockey firmament. He belonged, and it will be difficult to get accustomed to the idea that he will no longer wear the barber pole uniform of his erstwhile teammates. Is it possible that never again will the lusty cry, come on, sigh, ring through the rafters of the auditorium? End quote. While Denony would play and help coach the Bruins, his home would remain in Ottawa, and he would only be away during the hockey season. Prior to his first game, the Ottawa Journal wrote, quote, Hundreds will be on hand tonight to look over Cy Denony in his new role. Denony is going to play at some part of the game against Ottawa. Art Ross is certain to put him on to see how he goes against his old teammates. End quote. That would be his last season in the NHL with the Boston Bruins, playing as an assistant coach and player, and he would win his fifth and last Stanley Cup. Upon his retirement, the Halifax Evening Mail wrote, quote, Cy Denony, he of the whistling shot, has hung up his skates. The man who ranked as one of the greatest sharpshooters in modern hockey who scored more goals than any other player in the National in more seasons than one, announced his retirement from the ice game at his home here. End quote. Over the course of his career, he had 247 goals and 85 points in 329 games. When he retired, he was the all-time leader in goals and points, and Howie Morenz would pass him for goals in 1933-34 and points in 1931-32. He also set a record for the time as the first player to record 200 goals and he is the fastest to reach 200 goals, which he did in only 181 games. He would hit the 20-goal mark eight times during his career. Even today, Denny ranks third on the Ottawa Senators if we include the modern Senators, trailing only Daniel Alfredson and Jason Spezza for the most goals in team history. The Ottawa Citizen would write of him, quote, Cy Denny reached the highest state of perfection in hockey. For many years, he was considered one of the game's greatest left-wing players, if not actually the greatest. It was never being said of him that he deliberately fouled an opponent, regardless of the fact that in his position as a forward, he received many stiff checks. He is known throughout the hockey world as one player who uses hockey intelligence as a superior type. In other words, he plays with his head as well as with his skates and stick. Denny would then spend some time as a referee in the NHL from 1929-31, to 31, and then began coaching in the Ottawa Valley Leagues. In 1932-33, he was made the coach and manager of the Ottawa Senators. Unfortunately, the team was crippled by debt, 
and had sold most of its best players, and Dennity would only last one season with the team. He was offered the chance to coach in Boston, but his friend and former teammate Eddie Girard would convince him not to, and Dennity would say years later, quote, Eddie and I worked side by side in a government office, and we'd talk things over. We agreed there wasn't much security in hockey, end quote. Dennity would add later, quote, I thought more of the security offered by my government job than I did of a career in hockey. Top players in those days were paid only $600 to $800 as professionals, end quote. Upon his retirement from hockey, Dennity would work for the Canadian federal government as a civil servant. He had first started working in the job in 1916, and he would work for the government until 1959. Upon his retirement, he was presented with a clock radio, picnic basket, and a certificate for his 43 years of work in the National Parks branch. That job with the government came about thanks to the man who brought him to Ottawa, Tom Gorman. Dennity would say, quote, Tommy got me my government job, and we still kid each other about those days when we get together on race nights at Connaught Park. End quote. The same year he retired from the government, he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. He would say upon his induction, which for some reason took 14 years from when the Hockey Hall of Fame was created, quote, I didn't think they remembered me. This is a wonderful thrill. It is nice to be elected at the same time as Tiny Thompson and Jack Adams. Adams played with me on the Ottawa team before he took the job in Detroit, and Thompson was in the Nets in the 1928-29 season when I was up front with the Bruins in our Stanley Cup winning year, end quote. On September 10, 1970, Denny would die in Ottawa at the age of 78. In 1998, he was ranked number 62 on the list of the 100 greatest hockey players of all time by the Hockey News. Upon his death, Westwick would write, quote, All who knew Cy would agree with the unfailing reference that an Ottawa club owner made when his name was brought up. A great little gentleman. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Cy Denny. Next week, we're looking at the Kenora Thistles. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Hockey Hall of Fame, The Ottawa Citizen, NHL.com, Wikipedia, The Ottawa Journal, Quaint Hockey, Montreal Star, Victoria Daily Times, and the Halifax Evening Mail. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.